1: cox bringing us closer in cox serviceable areas speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms apply other restrictions may apply
0: there's three sides to every story there's my side your side and the truth come on girls let's go shopping that's not a knife <laughs> this is a knife what are you looking at
1: looking about you and me.
0: you're mad you're far around you far ram you there's no cash here. Here, there's no cash, alright? Cash, no, Robert? No cash. I swear to Christ, ladies, you get a bag of all sorts in here,
1: mate. Welcome to
0: what Hello and welcome to The Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and varied landscape that is Australian cinema. On this episode, I'm joined by our previous guest, Dwight Hurst, to discuss Michael James Rowland's 2007 drama slash comedy, Lucky Miles. While many of the films that we discuss on The Last New Wave are very unique, Lucky Miles is unique in its own sort of way in regards to the fact that it's a film about asylum seekers and it's told from their perspective. Set in the early 1990s, filmed in 2006-2007, this is a film that sadly is still very relevant, especially given the era that it's set, the era that it was made, and today. Celebrating its 10th anniversary this year, Lucky Miles is a bit of a a lost gem in the Australian cinema landscape, most notably because it does deal with that, that topic of refugees. This was director Michael James Rowland's first feature-length film, and he followed it up with The Last Confession of Alexander Pierce, which is a really great film. And after that, he has been mostly working in television on uh, TV shows like My Place, Dance Academy, and Tangle. Lucky Miles did pretty well at the Australian box office for being a drama slash comedy about refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, grossing six hundred and seventy-eight thousand one hundred and ten dollars. Uh, so that's pretty good. It also won the it premiered the opening night at uh, the two thousand and seven Adelaide Film Festival, and also won the audience award for best film at the two thousand and seven Sydney Film Festival too. Uh, it did certainly screen internationally as well, and and was fairly well received there. But we haven't really had that many films about asylum seekers or refugees in Australian cinema, and of course, uh, anybody who has followed Australian politics will know that it's a fairly contentious subject. Uh, Eva Orner directed a great documentary in 2016 called *Chasing Asylum*, which looked at the uh, the processing of refugees and asylum seekers in Australia in today's climate. It, and that's a very sobering documentary and one I highly recommend seeking out. Um, and it's, it's certainly uh, one that is not an easy watch, but given the way that the, uh, the, the politics and the international climate regarding refugees is going, it's certainly a film that might give uh, you know, keen interested people an insight into how the world's treatment of refugees and asylum seekers may go ahead. We have certainly had stories that have been about migrants, uh, say, for example, Tony Ayres' great The Home Song Stories, which was also released in 2007. But there just have not been enough stories or films about asylum seekers. So, of course, the Australian government thought, well, given there haven't been enough films about asylum seekers, why not let us commission one ourselves? And so they did. In 2016, they got in contact with Put It Out There Pictures to create the telemovie Journey, which is directed by Mohammad Ghorbankarimi. And this is available to watch in its entirety on YouTube because it was created for the, essentially, the Iraqi, Afghanistani, Pakistani audiences and... As suggested, this was commissioned by the Australian government, cost $6 million of Australian taxpayer dollars, and essentially it was designed to show the people who were possibly seeking uh, asylum in Australia that, hey, the path to Australia is a very difficult one, uh, and paying asylum seekers to help you get to Australia is not a smart move. And the climax of the film, quite terrifyingly uh, it shows the journey from um southeast asia essentially uh across to australia and the difficult waters and stuff like that and there are certainly echoes of the of the tampa crisis which really really caused major issues for then prime minister john howard It certainly fills into the propaganda realm of cinema, uh, it's not a film that we'll be covering on the last new wave. Uh, but if you are interested in seeing how the Australian government wants Australia to be perceived as a place of refuge, as a place of uh, sanctuary, asylum, then certainly check out Journey. I'll put a link to the the film in the show notes. Here's just a short clip from the film Journey of asylum seekers going through an interview process to try and find a path to asylum, to refuge. We have nothing left, nothing to go back to. We've risked everything to come here. Please believe me, sir. We've lost everyone. Our father worked as a translator for the foreigners. He was murdered by the Taliban. They shot him 12 times, sir, 12 times. And my mother and sister, when the Taliban came for us, we were not there so they killed him instead. We have one brother left, but he went to Germany three years ago. He was trying to get us over there, but... We cannot go back, sir. We should just die right now if you make us go back. Okay, I now have a record of your claim, and we can begin to process your application for refugee status. Do you understand? Yes, how long will that take? I really can't say. It can take many months. How many months? Three months? Six months? I can't give you an exact time, but we'll let you know once we made the evaluation. It is one year since we first came here. We've waited that long just to meet with you. How much longer should we wait? I'm sorry, but as you can see, we have many people to process. A chip. ah Thank you, sir. We'll wait for your decision. What's
1: the problem here?
0: I've just explained to him that he can no longer register as a refugee in Indonesia for resettlement in Australia.
1: What is he supposed to do? Where should he go?
0: He can be resettled in a number of other countries, just not Australia. I'm sorry. You say you're sorry? Please, but what is most interesting about the film Journey is the fact that, as mentioned, there are very few films that depict the journey or the stories of asylum seekers or refugees, specifically in Australia. There are, of course, many uh, from other parts of the world, uh, such, for example, the uh, Palme d'Or winning Deepan, which is a fantastic film I highly recommend seeking out. But such is the power of cinema that people are very much influenced and informed about other people in the world and their stories that go on. And so ideally, if there were more stories about asylum seekers, then the Australian public and potentially the rest of the world would be more sympathetic or understanding to the journey that asylum seekers go through to reach Australia and also to understand what they're escaping from. Lucky Miles goes to explaining this to an extent and it does a very good job of covering multiple different aspects of the Asylum Seeker journey, which of course you'll hear in the discussion a bit in just a moment. The film Journey, from what I've seen, I haven't watched the whole film and I I will sit down and actually watch it, uh, it is more of a damning portrayal of what awaits asylum seekers in australia now keep in mind that of course these asylum seekers are actually trying to escape war-torn countries that you know are unfortunately in skirmishes and battles that the australian army the us army uk army are all seemingly involved in so unfortunately it is not as optimistic as it really should be in potentially providing a a Ideal location for these people to seek sanctuary It's the Australian government's understanding that by making this film It will ideally turn people off coming to Australia or seeking asylum in Australia, which is a a terrifying prospect to to imagine and especially since they spent six million dollars on getting this film made specifically for a foreign audience without getting too political one has to ask, you know, why would the Australian government prefer to spend six million dollars on showing refugees and asylum seekers the terrible outcomes that await them if they try to make a journey to Australia, rather than put that money towards actually helping them? It's a question which is, you know, it's not answered by this current uh, this current Malcolm Turnbull-led government. Um, But it's certainly something that the viewers that were in Afghanistan when this showed uh, in 2016, and when The Guardian interviewed some of these viewers, they had these things to say. Ali Reza, who is an 18-year-old tailor, said, It was hard to watch. It made me very upset. I know they were actors, but these things really happened to Afghans. 23-year-old Mustafa Ibadi said it was a good movie. It showed the lies smugglers tell passengers before leaving. Muhammad Tawab, who is 23, said he'd been particularly moved by scenes of refugees languishing in an Indonesian prison. And finally, probably the reaction that the Australian government was aiming for comes from Dawood Husani, who was 42 and had originally planned to join his brother in Australia. And he said, if I die on the way, what's the point of going? So if this is the kind of film that is being produced by the Australian government to deter people from seeking asylum or making the journey, rather, to seek asylum in Australia, then that may answer the question why, in the realm of Australian cinema, there are no major films that really discuss or explore the asylum seeker or refugee journey. So we are thankful, then, that Michael James Rowland has created a film like Lucky Miles. For now, I'll stop this uh, seemingly very left-leaning political talk, even though it's hard to sort of uh, distance a conversation about asylum seekers and refugees and not be political. And we'll launch into the discussion with Dwight and myself about the film. Uh, First of all, we'll have a quick listen to the trailer and then we'll be right back. Three men were taken into custody tonight in the north of the state. Police believe the three were the last of a group of 12, whose ordeal began seven days ago when dropped off by boat on a remote beach, 1,200 kilometres north of Perth.
1: <laughs> Bloody <laughs> <laughs>
0: to another episode of Last New Wave and I'm returned once again by a uh, repeat guest um, mostly because he's, he's one of the people that, that can't say no um, and that is that is the great Dwight Hurst uh, say, uh, from the great Broken Brain pro- podcast and, and various different places so uh, welcome, thanks for joining me again.
1: Thanks for having me and for taking advantage of that particular pathology of not <laughs> being able to say no. <laughs>
0: I'm sure. I'm sure there's uh, something deeper behind it, but yes. Um, why don't you tell the Just listeners
1: for your approval?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you, uh, and then we'll hop into the discussion about this film.
1: Sure thing. I I, amongst, I, I do various little projects with podcasting. My main thing is I host uh, and have created a show called The Broken Brain. Uh, it's about mental health, psychotherapy, and I am a, a therapist by trade. And and so that's what I uh, do with that as I make that show. And we talk about addiction. We talk about relationships, trauma, and overcoming some of those things. So we've been talking a lot about overcoming borderline personality traits and things like that. Um, and, you know, we've been doing a lot of things like that lately. So you can find it on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or it's part of the Core Temp Arts network of podcasts. And you can find that uh, at coretemparts.com.
0: Yeah, and I, I have to say, I thoroughly enjoy listening to pretty much everything that the Core, Temps Art, Core Temp Arts, if I can say it properly, uh, group puts out. I have been fans of their work for a long time and love to see you join in the fold as well. So it's it's fantastic. Yeah, so it's really great. Yeah, it's fun. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're here to discuss a small Australian film called Lucky Miles, directed by Michael James Rowland. And it's about asylum seekers or, uh, you know, essentially people seeking a better life. And this is set in the early 1990s. It was filmed in 2007 and we're watching it in, well, 2017, thereabouts. Um, and so there's there's certainly decades of, of history and, and understanding uh, in relation to this particular story uh, that informs it a little bit more than than just what the, the the bare bones story in, in the film is which is about three guys essentially who are trying to find their way to perth which is uh where i happen to be recording this this podcast from um yeah i that's why i thought. when they said perth i was like go perth i know perth. <laughs> there that's it and you know the funny thing is this was actually filmed in south australia so you know None of this was in Western Australia, none of it was set in, in actually in in w a in perth There was no actually a lot further from Broome than uh, they talk about in the film so uh, that 's an amusing anecdote as well, which is um, you know South Australia does stand in for w a quite a bit um, so when i I asked if you were interested in dis- in discussing this film and watching this film um, what were your thoughts, essentially? Did you, did you find out a bit about it beforehand, or did you just go, yeah, no worries, and then go, all right, what did I just sign myself up for? Um, <laughs> Asylum Seeker comedy? Okay, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what – well, and to be honest, anything that has a, a quirky genre titles, I'm, I'm automatically into because I think it's interesting. Um, and I've said this before, on probably on your show as well as others, is the main thing that I care about with anything I watch is that it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't have any doubts there because uh, everything you have had me watch for your show has been interesting and I know that when you contact me it's going to be an interesting experience with a film I probably wasn't as familiar with mm. and that's what this turned out to be and, and I yeah so I mean right up right up front my I, the only thing I really knew was that you had said that it was about something about seeking uh, seeking not exile but, but in exile seeking uh, asylum mm-hmm. and looking to emigrate and so I just started and didn't really know kind of where it was going um and I I, I found actually that was that was a pretty good way to watch it because I was able to just you know enjoy it as it went
0: yeah and one of the things I find interesting because I watched it when it first came out and thoroughly enjoyed it then and you know it, it had been a while since I'd seen it and I I once again thoroughly enjoyed it but again I was as I was mentioning that you know this is set in the early 1990s and in Australia and particularly in, in particular, the the history here regarding asylum seekers is, is not exactly a positive one, just like it is uh, with the rest of the world. Unfortunately, the policies that were put in place have been really, uh, really devastating. And certainly um, around the time that this film was made, there was, there was a lot of uh, asylum seeker um, uh, policies that were put in place from the Australian government that really uh, affected the people that are uh, Represented within this film, and and you know a lot more people. And one of the things I really admire about this film is it is based on on some uh, true stories as well. And and I find that really interesting in regards to the fact that you know we don't get to see this kind of story uh, really told, not just in Australian cinema but in cinema in general. Uh, how did you find uh, you know coming to th- this particular topic, which you know not not to. Uh, unfortunately it's a very heated topic. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't, uh, vet you before dis- before discussing this to, to find out your opinion on asylum seekers. So if you say, you know, you, you hate them, that's fine. We'll, we'll move on from there.
1: <laughs> it would probably may make your show more interesting if I said that, I guess, but you know, I, uh, despite not having been vetted for that particular, that particular direction of prejudice. Uh, no, I, I don't have any problem with asylum seekers. And, you know, I think, as you said, it can be heated, uh, living in the United States, I think you see kind of both where, uh, there's a lot of people that talk about, what about our jobs, our jobs and illegal immigration. And, um, I know illegal immigration is different than asylum seekers, but some people do not seem to draw that distinction. Um, so yeah, I know I don't, I don't have any problem with asylum seekers. In fact, uh, I, I believe that coming from my historical background or whatever as an American is that that's, you know, it's a nation of immigration is, is the idea, right. Is to bring us you're tired and you're poor and all that. A lot of people don't see it that way anymore, but, uh, but I do. And I, so I, I, you know, that, that's something that, uh, and especially with them going into Australia, I didn't have any problem with that, with those <laughs> laws because they're not even my laws. <laughs> but one of the things that struck me about the film was how well it holds up actually. Um, because it's a, probably because it's an, I, I, it seemed like a smaller scale, smaller budget kind of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they tended to use real items, and a lot of the things that they were using that were sort of worn out, dilapidated, old-fashioned, were supposed to be. So yeah. that probably holds up. There There wasn't much to think about as far as the fashion goes. Maybe somebody from the countries of origin of these individuals might have said those are old-fashions. Um, but because they were coming from impoverished parts of the world, you know, they weren't wearing the the latest and greatest duds, and all the Australian characters were wearing, uh, I think, some kind of, like, fatigues, right? Uh, because yeah. they were military. Yeah. So, So the costumes don't date it, and the subject matter certainly does not date it.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we're
1: still struggling with a lot of those things, it seems.
0: Well, definitely. And one of the things I think is really impressive about this film is that – now, often when we're talking about asylum seekers, it's a faceless issue because the government certainly doesn't want to, you know, have footage out there of, of people trying to escape war-torn countries and stuff like that. It makes them look bad because often they're involved in it. And, you know, the the discussion is, is really a positive one. As you're saying, you know, people coming to steal my jobs and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's impressive that this film humanizes those characters and it humanizes um three different characters as well in the sense that there is the the person who has helped bring these people to australia and there's a guy who is you know his family's unfortunately being killed his his parents have been killed his wife has been killed and he's escaping you know war-torn country And then you also have another aspect as well, which I find really interesting. I'm really glad that this is actually involved in the story, is that there's a character who is born because the dad visited Indonesia at one point, and, well, Cambodia, actually, and this was just before Cambodian War. And, you know, unfortunately, he's a a kid that was born um, because he visited a a woman there and got her pregnant and then left and never came back, which is what the film opens with. And of course his story, I find really interesting because he's coming to Australia. He's coming to Perth to find his dad. And of course it makes the the final scene um, touching and also slightly amusing in the sense that when he does finally get to his dad's house and knocks on his dad's door and opened and his dad opens up the door and he says, can I help you son? And, of course, he will probably hear it like, oh, you already know I'm your son. <laughs> oh,
1: thank goodness you know who I am. Yeah. That would be, uh, oh, that's a very tragic next five seconds.
0: Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> Potentially,
1: depending on how he reacts. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about that final scene, but first let me, uh, I'll react to what you're saying. I think I really enjoyed the humanization uh, as well. The other thing I thought about this was that it wasn't, or at least it, it doesn't come across to me, As a huge message movie, and I think sometimes you have movies that are about a topic and and have a message, uh, and then you have movies that are a message, Mm -hmm. and and sometimes those can be very tiresome a little bit. Um, And I'll be unpopular, maybe who knows? But I'll throw this out there, like movies like The Cider House Rules, uh, a little bit like just a little on the nose. Okay, we get it, we get where you're coming from. It's you know. And I think when we get taken out of the story to say, by the way, there's a message here I want you to get, you know, I mean, you might sometimes you might as well have a director or a producer or screenwriters or someone just step onto the screen and like a picture and picture and picture commentary and just be like, hey, guys, this is what I was. I, I don't want to make sure you don't miss this. <laughs> this is what i was hoping you would get out of this. These guys are human beings. But you don't ever think that you don't think they're trying to prove to me that these are human beings. You just think these are some interesting human beings I'm watching. <laughs> or yeah. you don't really is the point.
0: Exactly. Um, and you become invested in their stories because of that, because they're not there to serve a purpose. Their their lives and their story is what you're you're watching, you're experiencing. Yeah. Sorry, continue. And, and, yeah. Oh, you're great. I, I just you know, because of that I
1: think they become more human and you put yourself a little bit more in those shoes. Like when they walk into that one of the, I thought actually, to be honest, one of the funniest lines is when the Indonesian group um, of of refugees, they're like, okay, we're gonna go into that that bar or whatever it was. Mm. Uh, they send one guy in so it doesn't seem as suspicious, and they and the the thing they tell him right before he goes in is, well, don't draw any attention to yourself. Like, <laughs> well, that's not gonna work because it's a very rural bar and it's a very specific area. And you're going to be... It's probably the same five people there every day or whatever, right? Yeah. And he's going to come in and be like, Hi, I'm just a random Indonesian man who doesn't speak English. Uh, can you help me get a bus? Well, I know the word bus and yeah. Perth.
0: Where is the bus to Perth? Exactly, which I, I love that scene as well. And I love that they send him in and then, uh, like, you know, we as you're saying, they don't want to cause a distraction or anything like that. They don't want to look suspicious. And then all of a sudden they all appear as well. And it's like, okay guys, <laughs> you've, you've, you've really blown it. You've done it now. Yeah. I would like a bus to put. You want a bus? Yes. Oh, thank you. All right. This is this
1: Perth. Oh, catching a bus to Perth, are you? And I think I think there's a real feeling there because I got the feeling of of what would that be like to walk in. First of all, you're really scared. Then they give you stuff you don't understand. Like there was, I think the it was so sweet they weren't used to.
0: Mm. You
1: know, the like, Oh, what is this? I'm drinking. It hurts my teeth. I think it was some some really thick lemonade. It looked like. Yeah. Probably you know the brand name. Yeah, Solo um, or
0: something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah,
1: there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I guess Vegemite because that's my guess for all Australian products. It's just uh, um,
0: yes, liquid Vegemite. That's what we like to drink here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're recording on a on a Vegemite uh, digital recorder software, right? Isn't that the other thing? That is but,
0: correct.
1: Yes. It, then there's that there's that that feeling where she's just like, "Hey, honey, it's on the house." And, you know, don't worry, we'll call someone. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's that feeling. And, of course, she does what she thinks is the best thing to do, probably. She calls the authorities. Uh, who knows how she feels about the whole thing, whatever. But to be sitting there and be like, I don't really speak the language. I don't understand what's going on. Here's the people you called. This person who has been nice to me after I almost died on the ocean and in the desert. And now I'm being arrested.
0: Mm.
1: You know, that, that seemed very jarring.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's... And that's the thing is that the you know the the depiction of the australians in this film is really interesting because of course we've got the the military guys who are looking for the people who have arrived here and it is a polar opposite of how it is today where we constantly have military boats out in the water monitoring for for incoming uh asylum seekers in incoming asylum seeker boats and stuff like that which are You know there's a Australian documentary which came out in 2016 called Chasing Asylum which documents what the process is like uh you know the journey across from Indonesia to Australia in an asylum seeker's boat and it's a it's a pretty devastating film um and it certainly looks at how Australia has progressed from back in the 1990s through to now and how we treat uh people who are seeking asylum and that that is very fascinating but it's The case that, you know, this small group of people who have landed uh, in Australia in Broome, which is the the northwest of Australia for the international listeners, and that is big enough to make, you know, the news in Australia. It's big enough to say, hey, a boat has landed. These people are here. And the way that the people who are here treat them, the military people who, you know, they, they treat them like, yeah, it's no big deal. No worries, mate it's fine you just go and sit down have a drink of water she'll be right that kind of thing and that's i find that really really you know it's quite emotional it's it's a uh, it it really warms you in a way and and the military characters are certainly built up in an interesting manner and and they're humanized in a certain way too because of course this is told in kind of three different stories and and that in itself is really interesting yeah yeah
1: and, and I would say daunting probably as a filmmaker to take that on. There is a risk here yeah, of, of having everybody, with with it being a movie that does have some message here, it, it would be tempting to be like, oh, here's the authorities, and they're all bad. I didn't even feel like that lady in the bar was necessarily bad, or, or even those guys that were picking them up, they were just kind of like, all right, come on, mm-hmm. all right, you know, get in here. They weren't, you know, super, I guess, super polite or whatever. But, uh, but the military guys in particular, those three guys, they really just came across as, as three men that were just doing their job they're just like this i'm here to do this here to find this person and but you got the idea that there was an element of concern and and, and this gets back to that that sort of subtlety i think the filmmaker was able to pull off which was I, at least i don't remember a line where any of those three military guys ever said to the other those guys could die out here but i got the sense that they were worried about them yes. and i might be in error about that but i just i i remember that they didn't seem like they obviously said that but they're like you know, this is not a, this is not a nice territory. And, and, and you know, they didn't know this, of course, but going back to these varied backgrounds of these individuals, uh, other than the sailor, you know, you don't know that any of the gr- this group of, of refugees has any experience really living in harsh, uh, well, like camping kind of harsh uh, yeah. environments. Yeah. Uh, obviously coming from very harsh sociocultural background, but...
0: Well, I mean, yeah. there's that, that moment early on where they see a can on the side of the road and they think it's a landmine. And yeah. so, of course, they they throw a rocket at it and hit it and all duck in, expecting it to explode. And I yeah. think the, the thing I think is really interesting as well is, of course, the people who are delivering them there, this is just money. You know, these people are just money to them and they'll be on their way home and pick up another group of people and drop them off they're, they're essentially a you know, a taxi in a way and their response is you know, where when they all land on the in on, on the beach in sort of northwest of Australia and they say well, where do we go from here? And they're like if you just go over the sand dunes you know, there's a road there and you'll be able to get to Perth and no there's problem a bus, yeah, it, there's
1: you a, tell them, yeah, there's a bus station up there or something.
0: Yeah, there's a bus stop just there and I'm sure that their, their imagination is that as soon as they land, they'll be right dead in the city of Perth, and they'll be amongst the people, and straight away they'll be looked after. And the thing is... That's everyone's
1: dream, is to be right there in the city of Perth?
0: It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, this episode is sponsored by the city of Perth, um, so, you know... <laughs> um, Find your worth in Perth. That's it. Hey, hey, that's a that's a good tagline. Uh, I should uh, yeah. let them know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is the what I really admire about this film as well is it manages to show how empty Australia actually is. Like it's like we're we're about the same size as America, and you know it, when you look at the map of America, there are you you guys have got a lot more people than we do. We've got about twenty three million people back in 1990s it was probably 18 17 million people and nobody is like that it's all hugged to the coastline and it's all hugged to sort of the four corners of australia in a way and yeah it's it's impressive to actually display the vast empty nature of it and how these guys manage to you know survive in this this harsh environment. Now as the the guys at the pub are saying, oh you guys wouldn't have been able to survive out there, which is like a tip of the hat to the locals. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The locals are like I mean, you'd be dead.
1: <laughs> which which right away I also appreciate it as a, as an American watching this because you know, if you see something that's made by an American person about Australia, first of all, you're always going to see the Sydney Opera House <laughs> in every shot. Everywhere you go, it's, it's, you might as well be in Paris and the Eiffel Towers in the background of every scene, you know, yeah. uh, so uh, you'd think it's only Sydney, I guess. And the other thing is that bar would have been full of like leather clad, uh, you know, Paul Hogan esque, you know, <laughs> kind of like, Oh, well I have, I have, haven't been out of the bush for, you know, <laughs> 30 years, whatever, you know, like amateur. A, that's, a,
0: that's a good Australian accent there. i I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm winning you over listeners,
1: to this, but no, but I, I appreciated watching this and saying like the countryside of Australia that I don't get to see much as an American, you know, mm. um, it'd be like if somebody shot a film in the suburbs of Cairo, you know, I'd be like, Oh wow, I can't see the pyramids. Awesome. Because that's probably what it really looks like. Then. And, and it became like, people talk about cities being a character in a movie. I thought the, the desert and everything was like an effective character. And I really felt for these guys, especially when we get their core threesome and they're at that hut yeah. trying to fix that car. And there's that heartbreaking feeling of like, they find the map and they're like, we could very well die right here.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that part of the world is a place that regularly claims lives. Like, you know, people unfortunately have do die there regularly. And, and I, I do feel in a way that it's a bit of that, um, the naivety that, Especially international travellers, they come to Australia and they think they don't realise how vast and how empty it actually is, and so they they put a you know full tank of petrol in the car and they head off into the middle of nowhere, and then they run out of petrol because they don't realise that you know the next petrol station is a good five hundred kilometres away, and yeah, it's, it's and they don't know what the hell a kilometre is if they're
1: from America. <laughs>
0: Exactly. I mean, this film is called Lucky Miles and they always talk in kilometers. So it's, you know, it's very confusing for them. (laughs) Very, very confusing. Somebody's got to do some conversions and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I think because the the film does move pretty slowly up until that point when they've reached the hut. And that's sort of like the, the last half hour of the film. It's the last, the climax of it. And I know that there are some criticisms in regards to the fact that it does feel slow and it does feel kind of aimless in a way. Um, And I get that as a viewer, you're a bit like, all right, let's, let's get to the point. But for me, I find it works well in conveying how they feel in the sense that they are aimless. They are lost and it drags on for a long period of time because they're, they're feeling like every day and every minute is an hour and, and every hour is a day and stuff like that. So it's, Yeah i I, I kind of thought that
1: at the very first I thought is that it was dragging on a bit in some ways, but then i I started to actually think about it and I, I think you're right, I think it was purposeful but although it's funny I, one of the reasons I realized that I was wrong um uh, no that i think I think the film is open to that criticism if someone's looking to make it, but if you're really trying to watch it, there's a lot there in the beginning that's actually quite interesting i mean let alone the fact that in the group um that seemed to be men of arabian descent largely uh that are that are our kind of protagonists from there the structural engineer uh character I, I he he discovers that one of the guys is apparently a republic guard
0: yeah
1: uh some kind and because he recognizes hey that knife is army issue and the, then the guy tries to kill him yeah and and you got the the tenseness of that and, and of course we start with them being stranded if you know and left for hey i don't care what happens to you and i do you have. I don't know if you guys have a, a a name for that. I'm sure they must have a name for it in Indonesia or whatever. I know that if we're talking about the American-Mexico border, we would call that a, a coyote. Um,
0: sure. Yeah, um,
1: and I didn't know. I didn't know if there was a name for a, a boat captain that does that kind of jazz.
0: Um, I'm sure there is, but it's not a common knowledge term in Australia. Um, there's no real. Yeah. yeah, it's not a. It's not a thing that. Unfortunately, our and that's that's why I, I really like this film as well. Is that unfortunately our discussions about these issues are very much always in the negative and always in the you know deconstructive terms and stuff like that. So unfortunately we don't have proper terms that that match who these people are. We there is a there has been a, a regular uh, campaign essentially to dehumanise who these who people are that are seeking asylum, also who the people are who are bringing them across so yeah unfortunately
1: um the corner of that industry or whatever you want to say yeah i i also th- thought that it was a strong choice that uh it's always good to have flawed characters and and you know not show the the immigrants the refugees not make it would it dehumanizes them to show them like as all sort of dewy-eyed forest gumpians sort oh, of yeah. where it's just oh what's what's electricity you know or whatever <laughs> And they're like, and I'm just a poor, innocent soul, and no, these guys are like they have they they have a backstory, which the movie doesn't it goes into a little, which I think just enough. It doesn't choke itself on backstory and origins of these characters. It's just yeah, you get an idea where they're coming from and and it's wonderful. I also liked that it displayed uh, some animosity and and you might say racial prejudice even amongst the two groups mm. of the Asian refugees versus the Arabian refugees, that there's this kind of like, Ugh, we don't want to go with them. And just that they had a natural animosity even when the two come back together. It's like, oh, you, I don't know if I trust you. Well, why not? We were on a boat, big boat together, you know, but there's there's that cultural maybe lines and bias that exists there too that they have to kind of overcome. And then there's the practical lines and bias that comes from you're one of the smugglers, mm-hmm. the human smugglers who left us to die and now we're supposed to trust you, you know. Uh, and, and that... I, and that's also where that came together was in that shack uh, as yes. well. They, they started having a teamwork feel and I think that was very, very strong at that point.
0: And that, that's, I think, the core message as well is that often, you know, to bring it back to, of course, as I was saying, with the the, the way that asylum seekers are treated and, um, you know, again, it's I'm sure it's the same in America and, and England and Europe and all that kind of stuff as it is, as it is in Australia, but... The impression is is that they don't want to assimilate into society. People don't want to work together to help further each other. And yeah, it's it's interesting to see that you know at first they they just don't get along and they have their their own political history and they have their own um, you know antagonisms and stuff like that 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 cause them to fight. And that that's really interesting in the sense that they overcome that and realize, hey. This is useless. Why are we doing this? We're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. If we, if we don't work together, then nothing's going to happen. And I think that's the core message. I think that if we all work together, it sounds awfully positive. It sounds awfully uh, rose-tinted. But yeah, if we all work together, no matter who we are, then we all reach a united goal. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that, and, and you know, that, that hut scene as well, I think is fantastic, especially with that, um, the engineer guy, Yusuf who spends so much time getting this car running. And it's a nice uh, tip of the hat. There's a TV series in Australia called um, Bush Mechanics, which uh, I hope that people in America or, or outside of Australia can actually watch. If you do a Google search on, or if you search for it on YouTube, it's a fantastic TV series. It's about a group of um Aboriginals who essentially find run-down cars and manage to bring them back to life and they drive them around. And it's very similar. To, yeah. yeah, it's it's fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite shows. And I love that this is kind of a tip in the hat in the sense that they're making the best out of the worst situation. And somehow he manages to, to get this rusted old car working where everybody else has abandoned it and he gets it working, and the only way he gets it working is that it drives in reverse, but it works, and isn't that all yeah. that matters? And it's got three wheels as well, and, you know, yeah, it's impressive.
1: Exactly. That kind of thing. It's it's interesting, too, because that's another thing that, at, at the same time, humanizes the character because he's got talents and abilities, you know, that, that come, and you buy it because you're like, oh, he's an engineer, you know, and the other guy doesn't because he's a sailor. He doesn't know how the car necessarily, whatever, um... So, so it wasn't like they all have these plucky mechanical resources. It was just one of them, and that made sense. Uh, I I thought it really took off from that point uh, and was just fantastic once the once the truck was uh, was running, especially. And what was I going to say? There was something I was going to add about that that you said. Um, Well, oh, and I think well, isn't that that's also what. Uh, makes it not so rose color, just ro- rose-tinted glasses, like you said, is that we're, you're, I don't think you're saying if we all can get together, it's going to be easy and we're fine. because yeah. that's And that's not what's being showcased at the HUD. It's like if we all work together, it's still going to be very hard. Uh, and we just still will have to be very clever and we still have to take a chance and we might still not make it. And, and, and that's the thing, is, is, but trying to get together and say, you know, it's hard enough when we aren't on the same page. Uh, so let's try to be on the same page
0: yeah and understanding everybody's own limitations as well like when the other two guys try and help him as he's working he chases them off and it's like no you're just going to screw it up and and ruin it just leave it to me i'll figure it out and i love that i i think that's fantastic and i think if there's one reason to watch this film is simply for those scenes like it's it's really wonderful and and how it plays out from there as well and I love the the soldiers' reactions when they see this car driving backwards, and, and they're like, "What the hell was that? <laughs> what what did we just see?" <laughs>
1: and I love the and when they find him, and their reaction is, uh, Yusuf, as you mentioned, he's immediately like, "Oh, great! I can totally give myself up now and, and declare and seek asylum." They're not running mm. from these guys, as it turns out, you know, which is what people kind of maybe think is we're running and hiding they're like no we're trying to find a civilization. Hey look, military that means some civilization. Thank goodness. And what and that also I think goes back to trying to understand the complexity of this kind of an issue of like if you're the refugee you don't want to die in the desert and you don't necessarily just want to be sneaky and and duplicitous. They were looking to find people. Yeah. I I'm real I, I want to know I the thought that of course came up in my mind is what happens the what happens in the in the five minutes or the hour after it ends, obviously, since it's fiction, the answer is nothing but uh but uh, you know i in my in my mind my my fan fictiony mind i'm then picturing this and saying like what happens in that reunion where he's like, "How can I help you son?" and he's like, "Oh, you know, um and as you put it, he could be like, "Oh, you knew I was coming, and that's going to lead to more of a what you know mm. kind of a, kind of a situation
0: I'm really curious about that as well, only because it's I mean, it is something that that does genuinely exist. It, it is something that has, you know, it, it's something that Australian men do. Sometimes do they they go across to Indonesia, they go across to Thailand, Cambodia, wherever, and somehow manage to create a family there, and then just leave it like it's it's no big deal. And while I haven't met anybody who has who has done that. Um, that
1: was- that like a typical thing that's happening in Perth all the time, or?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean we we mine. Like, oh, there's, we-
1: another, uh, there's another there's <laughs> another union happening.
0: Exactly. Oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that lovely? They finally, managed to make the pilgrimage across to Australia and be reunited with their their terrible father who left them. <laughs> again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And but the thing is, is that because he is his son, he is essentially he could get that australian citizenship a little bit easier than the other guys could and so while i'm interested in what happens to him after the story because he is kind of the the main character in a way we start off with his his story and and we end with his story it's bookended in that way and that is certainly interesting but for me i'm more curious about what happens to the other guys because the thing is is that you know as you're saying with yusef he sits there and as soon as he meets the the uh the soldiers he essentially says hey i am seeking asylum because i'm a refugee and this is the united nations you know you read it under here it says exactly this and it says a lot better than i do um but that is i think people forget that that is something that we actually like The the countries that are signed up to united nations agreement there's something we all signed up for we all agree that you know Anybody who is seeking refuge or asylum is not to be turned away if they if they are given the opportunity to have a good life, and unfortunately, you know we continue to do that around the world. And um, you know, obviously, the world is a lot different than it was uh, essentially thirty years ago now. But it's it's interesting to see how it's evolved from there. And yeah, I would like to know what his story would have been like because I imagine he would have gone to a. Uh, essentially a processing camp of some sort and maybe it would have taken six months a year for him to be processed and become an australian citizen a citizen 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 there we go english uh and learn english and become a, a part of society there we you go <laughs> meant, okay.
1: like yeah hey well, that's a cool city. yeah i like that you yeah. um that's a good point you know because the guy yeah the guy who has family ties is probably going to have an easier time of it and he he definitely made it there. I, I want to say uh, there were a couple scenes there. You know, Yusef made a lot of sense when he mentioned that his family had been murdered. Before that, he just seemed like a very negative guy. Then you see like, oh, wait, he's a guy who knows how bad it can get. Mm. So he's not just going to be like, I trust, you know.
0: Ow. That is the second fly to bite me. Is this happening to you? No. She must like you. Ramalan. Have you been to Perth? Plies Ali like corrupts.
1: I'm not a Bedouin, you idiot. I'm a fully qualified structural engineer. But I come from
0: Basra, a city of gardens and fountains. Gardens and fountains? A beautiful place, a civilized place. Better than anywhere I saw in your country. So why come here? I come from Batambang. My father from Australia. I saw you. Living in a city of gardens and fountains sounds good to me. They killed my brothers, all of them.
1: My wife also, they tried to kill me, but I escaped to Iran. I drove taxi for five years. After this, after five years, the Iranians tried to send me back for a barrel of
0: oil. This is what my life is worth, one barrel. I have gotten who drive taxi. It's an excellent job. You think I would be here if I had anything?
1: No freedom, no life, no nothing. Remember that, my friend. What are Australian people like? You never met an Australian? There have been no Australians where I am.
0: Open the bar, you find plenty. What do you mean? They drink alcohol, eat pork and smell like monkeys. They smell. you see. I prefer Indonesia, a good Muslim country. Yes, you're good Muslims when my money is in your pocket. When's
1: the next drink? Not yet, keep walking. I think
0: my father would have a big house. Maybe he's rich and there is electric fans in every room. Your father? Yes. If he has all these electric fans, why didn't he come and get you? Maybe we can drink now. He could have sent his own boat to pick you up. Hey, shut up.
1: I have his town. i saw show you.
0: Do you have Australian brothers? It has his name. Have you met him? How long did he know your mother for?
1: The, there's also that scene where that very powerful scene, uh, where when this young man—I uh, can't recall his name—but he, when he gets there, finally to the bus station to get a bus to Perth, that just that old man is like drops him off, and I thought uh, when he sits down and he just releases all that emotion, mm. you know, he just breaks down into tears, and it's like here's this ride that he got, and where what from seemingly just a very nice old guy, and and because he offers him money, and the guy's like, nah. But he just dismisses it as if, of course, I'll dismiss it. It's not a big deal that I'm dismissing it. I haven't given you this huge gift that you've been chasing for so long and we're afraid of dying and you know and now you're here. There, because I think there's that, uh, that, that luxury maybe or privilege we often say of, of being like, "I haven't had to say, if I don't get a ride somewhere, I won't know where it is, and I might be lost forever in the bush." Yeah. Uh, and so I thought that was a very effective scene, not only of showing the emotion that he was feeling. But showing the discrepancy between a refugee's life and maybe a, a someone who's never had to be a refugee.
0: Yeah, and it's a it is in a way it's the Australian uh, ethos or the Australian uh, way of life that it's no big deal. Like we don't care about the money that it would have cost to have driven him there. It's it's no big deal. You, you're doing somebody a favour. You're doing somebody a solid and. And they will eventually repay it to somebody else down the line. And and I guess that's the the mentality of, um, of an Australian. Uh, it's the hopeful um, help out a mate kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think we both enjoy this film. Um, is this a film that you would recommend to people? Uh, and how would you recommend it to people as well? Because it's certainly a film that I've struggled to... Uh, like i've i've tried to push it onto people um but when you mention that it's a film about asylum seekers and you mention that it's kind of a comedy kind of a drama and it's got subtitles and stuff like that they immediately switch off so it's, yeah that that's the thing is i think there's a lot of
1: qualifiers when you're every time that i tell someone you should watch this it it has subtitles i feel like i have to say it has subtitles so they won't hate me when they turn it on and be like oh you <laughs> didn't say you know and immediately turn- <laughs> Because uh, there's so many people that are turned off by subtitles. I have found so many movies that I really enjoyed with subtitles that I don't think that anymore. I don't have that bias. Yes.
0: <laughs> but,
1: uh Yeah, so I, I struggle with that kind of a thing. I've been recommending the movie Rams to everybody ever since it came out in Sundance last year. And it's on Netflix now, at least Amer- in America. Um, I know there's different versions in different parts of the world. but
0: No. <laughs> I
1: don't know why I felt like that just sounded like a really stereotypically American thing to say like we've got it on our Netflix. I didn't mean it that way, but um and and it's a subtitled and very little dialogue and it's about estrangement and things and so it's like it sounds real serious but it's like it's fun to watch and that's what I would say about this one is if I'm tell if I was selling someone on this I'd have to say you know you should check it out. It shows it's got some real heart to it. And that, that's that's kind of my biggest requirement for movies is that not only are they interesting but that they have some heart and some soul to it where you're like i really feel the emotions that i'm supposed to feel instead of thinking oh they wanted me to feel something but they didn't do it well uh and that's the thing it's kind of a little independent movie that shows from the point of view of a, of a refugee and it has just a lot of heart about about the characters
0: yeah i i think that's a good way of, of putting it uh, i agree i um, before I ask you uh, if there's a film that's similar to this that you would recommend, um, is there any final points that you want to comment about Lucky Miles? Um. Uh, no, I just, I mean, the, the biggest thing that uh,
1: I, I, I just want to reiterate that I bought it. I think that's the biggest thing is to say, oh, I, I feel like these people are really in this situation, and I think when you break it down to that, there's a lot of things going. The costuming, even the, you know, it looked like somebody who's been. Uh, not having any resources for a long time. The, they didn't look clean, which is another thing in movies. Usually, you know, you like spray a little dirt on someone on like Brad Pitt's face and it's like, he just looks better, you know, just like gruff. And and they they look like they've been through the ringer. So very believable, I think. That's that's one of the things that's my biggest takeaway.
0: Yeah. And do you have a film that um, is similar to this that you would recommend as well? Uh, you, you know which one I
1: think it's like. Uh, actually, Andrew is uh, the visitor in two thousand seven. Yes, I didn't know it was two thousand seven. I just, I just uh, found it. Richard Jenkins is in it though, who plays a. Uh, uh, he's, a, I, th- I believe, he's a college professor. But he, it comes to his apartment, and he basically finds people kind of squatting in his apartment. Or he, he, he somehow, he, he gets, he gets involved with a family uh, of, of immigrants. He gets involved with uh, people who he. He's just basically living this kind of quiet life. I believe he's a widower or he's divorced. I don't remember which one, but he, he's just living this quiet life. And then he, he gets involved with these, these people who get to so kind of run afoul of the immigration system and get stuck. And, and one of the things people don't realize is that a lot of times um, there is not only the, de- the de- threat of deportation that people have to worry about. It's what you're talking about, of being in some kind of camp or in our nation, it's a facility um, like like unto a jail, basically, yeah. where you're being kept, and you're being kept there. And the assumption is we have to screen all of you to see which of you are, are terrorists, because everybody who isn't American is at least a little bit a terrorist, right? I mean, that's the kind of, That seems to be the mentality that we have in our nation about anyone who wants to be here. And so uh, it, it, it was one of the things that kind of alerted me at that time, to some of the realities of that detention process, that limbo status that people get stuck in for sometimes months or years. Um, But it's just very well done, and it shows him get sort of activated to this cause. And um, there's this great scene in it where somebody says to him at one point, like, I'm sorry that this is interrupting your life. And he says, you know what, my life was, I'm not doing anything important, basically, (laughs) like compared to what I've learned about your life. And, and uh, he's, of course, an excellent actor and, and really sells that in a way that it captures a lot of the emotion of that. And then all of the supporting cast were excellent, too. So people should check that out, too.
0: Yes. And it was written and directed by Tom McCarthy, who did Spotlight, which is a fantastic film. Uh, I'm sure many of you people have seen it. You people. Uh, listeners have seen it. Yeah. How lovely. It's,
1: <laughs> listeners aren't a protected class. You can call them you people.
0: That's it, yeah. <laughs> and, and your experience with that as well because you run a podcast and, and I guess in a way of wrapping it up, uh, remind listeners uh, where they can find your, your podcast as well. Yeah, that's well, a segue.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was awesome.
0: <laughs> it was really
1: good. It's uh, the Broken Brain Podcast and uh, I like to, people ask me about the name. It's not referring to our brains being broken necessarily except that all of ours are broken in some kind of wonderful way but we I try to look at it as the same thing as blowing your mind, except it's a cooler way to say it. Uh, so we're breaking our brains around interesting things that have to do with mental health and psychology. You can find it uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are, are supplied. And uh, you can follow... Uh, you can talk talk to me on Twitter if you want to, at Break a Brain.
0: Yeah, and I'll make sure to put all the links in the show notes. And highly recommend uh, checking out Dwight's show. So once again, thank you very much for joining me to discuss... Another random Australian film. I really appreciate it. <laughs> until next time.
1: It's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, when I, when I, until next time, when I man, manipulate your uh, emotions and and feelings and say, will you discuss this film? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll get you to guest on something again in the future. So, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Last New Wave. I really appreciate it. If you want to seek out more episodes of The Last New Wave, then just head over to our website, which is abfilmreview.com. You can find previous episodes of The Last New Wave, and you can also find episodes of our other show, which is AB Film Review, where we discuss uh, you know, not just Australian films, but pretty much most recent films. You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter at The Last New Wave. I'd really appreciate that. And if you can also head over to iTunes or Stitcher or your your podcast uh, device of, of choice, whatever it is that allows you to leave a review, would be fantastic. And just leave a, a positive review would be great. Just helps this show get to more listeners. Uh, now, just a quick uh, sort of status of the show as well. There has been a bit of a... I'd aimed for this episode to be out a little bit sooner, but uh, unfortunately... Um, things just didn't work out the way that I had hoped Uh, but there will be a bit of a gap between episodes as I work on building some of them up as well as uh, hopefully getting a few interviews of uh, people that are coming to Perth so I'll be hopefully doing a few in-person interviews uh, which will be really exciting Um, you may see a few episodes that were recorded near the end of last year pop up in the feed that also were off reviews that uh, appeared on AB Film Review feel free to listen to them if you have already listened to them great uh, if you haven't fantastic please do see yeah listen to them as well because we discuss uh, some really interesting australian films um so what's coming up in the future for the last new wave well we have still got that episode on sentimental bloke um that might just be a little bit delayed uh i'm also aiming on doing a few episodes on ivan sen's film so looking at beneath clouds tumula mystery road and of course goldstone and then if my plate isn't full enough uh, i'm aiming to do some female directed films in the month of march as well so if you know of any uh, female directed australian films that you are really interested in or you really enjoy uh, please do shoot me a line on facebook or twitter and let me know what female directed films you'd like us to cover during the month of march um other than that once again Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of The Last New Wave. this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzcastNetwork.com for details.
1: Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restrictions supply, Promotions may vary.